Um, today, uh, as I begin this talk, um, you, you may have seen it uh, tagged on Twitter that I was going to um, encourage relationship um, romances in the workplace, uh, falling in love at work. So uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, but as, as I begin the talk, um, one of our amazing people in church is going to go out as one of our mission partners for a, for a short term. And, and that's uh, Miss Beth Claridge at the back there. Beth, do stand up. Give us a little twirl. She really likes this sort of moment. I, I, <laughs> can, can you see? And Beth has been serving God ever so faithfully uh, in West London, ever since she became a Christian, very radically through Hillsong's Church, uh, down Guildford Way and then back here. She lived in this area all her life, saw the church on the green, and just knew that God wanted to put more life into this place, started praying for it as a brand new Christian, volunteered on the youth team, ended up running the youth team for a, for a time, has been involved in Shelter Project, does the, uh, the night nursing around the Shelter Project, does a huge amount of volunteering, uh, with Hillsongs as well, uh, back, in, back in the day, has been on the PCC, has just been a stellar member of, of the church in so many ways. And we're delighted that she's going out uh, to serve God in a sort of specific way overseas, using her nursing abilities uh, in places where people are in crisis by serving on a ship. So Beth, we salute you, and we pray for you, and we thank God for you. Uh, brilliant. We'll pray for her a bit more in a moment. But as I begin this talk this morning, um, I uh, was very struck as I was thinking about encouraging you into a romance at work, um, that this is the fortnight in the year where it's particularly hard to be at work. According to Business Insider, there are many reasons why many of us hate our jobs. And where I say us, that doesn't actually include me. I love my job, <laughs> to see you, see you clear on that. Um, often people can feel we're working for the wrong reasons. Uh, that we're not living up to our full potential, that we feel our job lacks meaning, we feel obligated at work, we don't feel in control. Some of you are sinking into your seats, so sorry. You're working too much, you're procrastinating, your job lacks stability, you're placing a heavy emphasis on work and living too far or too close from your job, and you don't like your boss, and your non-work hours aren't being used effectively. You have higher standards, you've got the wrong mindset, you don't have perspective, <laughs> So many different things where we might hate our work. And here in the, the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to pick up from Matthew 4, 18, right through to, and um, we're looking at way through to chapter 10 over this series, but 4, 18, it begins with four guys in their sort of normalish job, quitting their job and going off to follow Jesus. And it might be that this morning that just sounds like a really cushy, easy deal. What a great way out that would be from that horrible business relationship I'm in, or that horrible home situation I'm stuck in, or that care home I live in and are always there at. Wouldn't it be just great if Jesus came along and said, come follow me. <laughs> I'd get on a boat, sail around the world. I'd even learn how to be a nurse if I could just escape for a little while from the NHS. <laughs> That's not what Beth's doing. <laughs> and what I want to say today is that we need this relationship romance going on to find a spark through it. There was an article just this, this last week where, where someone wrote about relationship romances saying it's just what you need to get through. So what's a vicar doing apparently encouraging us to have affairs in our workplace? Is that really what he's saying? Uh, what does he mean? 
Well, here's Jesus, Matthew 4, 18, page 968. And he, he looks at these guys, these brothers, and he says three words to them. He says, it's in English, it's three words, in Greek, just the two, I think. Come, follow me. And with those three words, he changes their life forevermore. See, those three words aren't unique to Jesus. They're words that have a history to them. Uh, I have a, a come-and-go relationship with what I think of Rob Bell's teaching, but he does an amazing talk on this passage where he explains that in the Jewish first-century educational system, there were various things you had to go through. And the first thing was you had to learn the Ten Commandments off by heart, which is harder than it looks if you look into Exodus because there's lots of extra stuff like um, small text (laughs) underneath some of the commandments. And that was entry-level schooling in that society. And if you got through that, you got onto the GCSE level. And the GCSE level meant you learned the other laws as well. If you did really well at GCSE, you were were one of the best ones. So you progressed to sort of A-level. And that meant you had to learn the whole of the Torah, the first five books of our Bibles, off by heart, word for word. And if you got through A-level, you then progressed onto undergraduate level. And undergraduate level meant you looked out for a rabbi who you admired. You said, I want to be like that rabbi. And you started to follow them around a bit. And they observed you, they thought about you, and they they sussed you out for a bit. And if you graduated, you graduated with these three words. Come, follow me. Because the rabbi looks you in the face and says, yeah, you're, you're good enough. If you were the best of the best of the best, the rabbi might look at you and say, come, follow me. But guess what happened to you if you didn't get past the GCSE level? Well, you became a fisherman, or a carpenter, or a farmer, or some noble trade. And these guys were small businessmen. They were doing a good job, an important job. But they knew that they weren't the best of the best, and they weren't the best of the best, and they weren't the best. They were the ones who hadn't made the grades. And the rabbi comes and says, come, follow me. And at once they leave their nets and follow him. And their friends do the same thing. And then Jesus goes and he teaches and he demonstrates something called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven in Matthew's gospel. He demonstrates it by driving out sickness. What's he doing? Well, we have it in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. He's bringing heaven to earth. He's saying there's this thing called the kingdom of heaven. It's here now. You need to repent. You need to get ready. It's here. And it's heaven on earth. And it comes with me. Do you want to join in with that thing? And here's the proof. The people who couldn't walk are walking. The people who couldn't see are seeing. And the people who were bound up in sin and caught out and trapped by it are being liberated to be the people they were always supposed to be. It's the kingdom of heaven. And these disciples sign up for it. They go for it. They leave the workplace that they're in. But look at the trajectory of what Jesus sits down on a mountainside and starts to teach them. And Tom's going to come and read that to us just now. Now when he went, now when he saw the crowds, 
He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Did you see the trajectory of what Jesus says when he sits the disciples down on the mountain? You're the light of the world. See, it sounds so tempting, doesn't it? Leah, I'll just go and hang out with Jesus. We'll go camping. (laughs) Three years. What a sabbatical that would be. Just get away from it all. Get away from the trauma. Get away from the pain. Get away from the workplace. And yet what he says is you're a lamp. Don't hide it. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't squash it down. Put it where everyone can see it. He's taken the few for the sake of the many, that they might impact the many where the many are. You're the light of the world. Let everyone see your good deeds. We're not going to go and hide away somewhere on the Temple Mount for three years or in a monastery or something. We're going to live the truth out where people are. Let them see it. And how are they going to see it? Well, someone said, uh, and I read it this week, that the last thing God notices about you, the last thing God notices about you is your strengths. The last thing he notices about you is is your strengths. It's the hardest thing for him to use. It's your weaknesses. It's the places where you're not confident in your own abilities, where you're relying on the power of God to move through you, that he can shine. I was ever so struck this last week by the story of of YWAM at the moment. I don't know if you know what's happening, but YWAM have been given a sort of an eviction order by the Department of Immigration for the 300 missionaries that they have living in this country, and they've got a month to comply with it. Akir's on the, on the board at YWAM, and he was talking about the attitude of the people on the board and the chief exec there. And he was just saying, it's just so extraordinary. They're just saying, your will be done, Lord. And if this happens, then 
so be it. But they, I mean, they've mobilized 49 MPs to appeal against this, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. But they're not having this attitude of, oh, no, it's terrible, the government's against us, all this sort of thing. They're going, actually, if this is what God does, then you know, we've, maybe we've made some mistakes. We're sorry. We repent, Lord. We've probably not filled the boxes in properly on some forms we should have done. But, Lord, we know that for your glory's sake, you're, you'll build again where you want us to be. A lovely attitude, isn't it? Contrast with my perspective on the holiday that I've just been on quite, quite drastically. It's what made me think. How do I praise God in circumstances? Because what Jesus teaches this elect group of disciples firstly is that the kingdom of heaven's upside down. So when you have barely got a leg to stand on spiritually, then you're really blessed. That's the entry level to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> when you can't rely on your abilities to know that you're right with God, that's where you're blessed. When you're mourning, you're going to be comforted. When you're at work and you've got this sort of meekness about you, that doesn't mean you're a doormat, but neither does it mean you're squashing other people. You're going to be the ones who inherit the earth. When there's something in you that's just hungering for the right thing, you're just desperate for the good of God, for his spirit, for his righteousness, you're going to be filled And when in your workplace you're the peacemaker or you're the one who's transparently pure in heart or merciful to that person who really deserved a slap on the wrist, you yourself will be showing mercy. You're going to see God and you'll be a son of God. And when they have a dig at you for it, because you exhibit characteristics that are very much like your Lord, well then you're just like your Lord. And how blessed to be counted similar to Jesus and the prophets. This is a mandate for real world living. It's not a mandate for monastery seclusion. It's not a mandate for hiding in the church. It's a mandate for being out there among as many people as possible that you can influence, not by trying really hard, but by recognizing that if you've got the kingdom of heaven in you, you are. The light to your workplace, to your family, to your streets. We've been uh, talking at PCC about this thing that we're calling the Moon Hing Walk. Some of you will recognize the name Moon Hing. One of our mission partners, Bishop in Malaysia. One of the things that he did in his road was he walked along it consistently for the 15 years, I think he lived in that house, blessing each house. God bless those people. God pour your grace onto these people. Let them see you, Lord. At the end of his time there, I forget the exact dates, but a high percentage of them had turned to Christ. He didn't even know them before. <laughs> it wasn't so much that he was just witnessing at them, he was just being the light of the world around them. And gradually it shone out and darkness was overcome. There are people in this room who I know who have engaged in their workplace these last few years and just been praying for people in their workplace whether they've known it or whether they have known it. (laughs) And they've seen people's lives change. They're the light of the world. In fact, you are the light of the world, whether you let it shine or not. (laughs) We need to fall in love in our workplace. We need a relationship romance. It's not with the cute brunette 
that you see at the water cooler is not the hunk with Diet Coke in his hand at the 11 o'clock coffee break. (laughs) It's the Lord Jesus Christ and all he stands for. And when you're in love with all that he stands for, you can't actually hide it back. It just comes out of you. Whether it's you do silly, courageous things like just leave that Gideon New Testament on your desk slightly so your colleague might just see it. Or when they say, what did you do yesterday? You say, well, I had this, we had this great time. I was just hearing this fantastic band. <laughs> no, where was it? Well, it, was, it was at my church, actually. <laughs> you should hear them. It was lovely. I've been through hell this last year. But you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. How come? Why, why aren't you just swearing? Because actually, by the grace of God and by the small group that I meet with in church, I've just got through it. And the glory doesn't go to you, it goes to him. And you're the light of the world. And when you're in those miserable moments, everything begins to change. 350 missionaries about to be expelled. YWAM's probably never shone brighter than it is this week. may never have the effect that it's having this week. So when you think you're weak, that's the chance for him to be strong. When you think you can't face with the situation you're in, then know that that is the situation he's put you in. Unless you're on some deliberate, rebellious Jonah trip and you've ignored the last thing he told you to do, the chances are the place he wants you to be is right where you are, shining. You say, Richard, it's horrible. Everything you read on that list is what I can feel. Well, why not fall in love with him in your workplace and see what happens? One just ever so practical thing that we'll come to at the end of this series, right at the very end, will be three weeks on it in April. Maybe you do feel utterly isolated today. Did you notice how he calls these guys at this time two at a time? One of the best prayers you can pray if you're feeling isolated in whatever situation, be it family or work, is, Lord, you send people out two by two. (laughs) Please, please. I'm ready. But I want to do it your way. Give me me a colleague. (laughs) He'll pray like I want to pray. And just watch and wait and see who he brings along. We just heard from a school in the area, I won't, I won't say it in case it goes on, on the tape, but there's a, there's a group of parents who've been praying for a specific school in our area who felt that they've been utterly squashed out by the hierarchy of that school for many years. And just this week, they've had a, a new RE teacher who said, would you please send one of your vicars to go and do assembly in the school for East? And they're rejoicing. But you see, they weren't on their own. They got together in a group and they prayed the kingdom of God into that school. It took them five years (laughs) to get this far. You're not called to do it on your own, guys. And if you need to hear, wait, pray, that's just fine. But don't hide the light under a bushel just because you feel weak. Because when you're weak, you are utterly strong. He looks at you... And maybe you see someone who isn't the best of the best of the best. Maybe you see someone who can't remember six out of ten of the Ten Commandments. But he's trying to live them. (laughs) 
And he says this, why don't you come and follow me? Why don't you come and follow me? I'd really ever so much like it if you would come and follow me where you are today. We're going to see a a short video in response to this talk. May God bless you. May he make his face shine on you. And may he give you your motivation and your peace today in equal measure. Amen.